From the former convent of the Good Shepherd overlooking Inwood Hill Park in New York City, welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where you meet the musicians, writers, filmmakers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home what we officially call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we welcome actress, writer, and producer Sarah Seeds. Sarah has appeared in TV shows, web series, films, off-Broadway plays, and national voiceover campaigns. She created and starred in the series Riding the D with Dr. Seeds, now distributed worldwide on Plex TV. It can be seen in the feature films The Mint and American Fango on Amazon Prime. Sarah also filmed a principal role on the TV pilot Afterlife and played the female lead in the upcoming dramatic short Powerful Stuff. She's attached to the dystopian series The City of Children and the sci-fi feature The Madison Code. She's currently filming the dystopian sci-fi thriller Bathed in the Night, written by herself and directed by Michael Pisano in the lead role. She is on the SAG Afterboard and is a member of the Television Academy. Thank you. We're going to talk to her about her work on and off screen, but first, let me welcome you, Sarah, to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's good to see you. It's so good to see you. This is gorge. I love the sunlight. I love the market outside. <laughs> I love to walk here. This is great. And I could walk here, so thank and you. And you can walk here. I could totally walk here. It's pretty good. It's so much better. So did you buy anything at the market while you're here? Okay, well, I almost did, but then I was like, we talked about this before. We had such good footage before, but it's fine. We're gonna we're gonna do it again. I um, I'm always early, like so early. So I was, but I was like, I have to be five to ten minutes early just to like talk and, and get acclimated. So I wanted to buy something, but I think I'll just do it on the way out. Excellent. We're, yeah, we're glad you're acclimated now. I'm so acclimated. Thank you. <laughs> I feel so at home. Three cameras, two umbrellas. Let's go. That's not bad. Yeah. Uh, so. As I, I see you mentioned in your bio, both film and off-Broadway off yeah. Broadway credits. So do you have a preference, film over theater? I just I, I find it's, as an actress, it's a, a very, if you had to choose, mm -hmm. or you don't, I'm not making you, but I'm just you saying. Can. But if you have you to should. choose, what would you choose? So definitely film. I know that was really quick, and that does not mean I don't like theater. Theater people, I, she hates you. I can't stand you. No, um. <laughs> I am a theater person growing up. I did theater when I was, I started when I was like seven or eight. Um, so I knew I wanted to be an actor. So that was your young. entry point in acting. Then. Yes. Yeah. It was a church play. So I've lived all over the country. I was uh, born in Maryland. I moved into Virginia, Tennessee, and then eventually finally found my way up here where I found my people. Um, <laughs> fast walkers. That's what I like to call them. Um, but yeah, I started in like a church play where I was, it was called CMS Animals, which was a... Noah's Ark retelling, but I was the bad guy, <clears throat> and I was Philo Q. Faxit, the lawyer that was trying to shut down the making of the Ark. Wow. So obviously it's historical, um, <laughs> as is everything else in the church. So uh, it was really fun because I had this pages of monologues in legal jargon, and I was like a child, <laughs> but it just like came out so freely, and I just felt the energy, and I would walk off stage and people were like, ha, 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 just like out of their seats laughing. I was like, dude, I should be doing this. Why am I doing anything else? None of us. I was a mom, kid. It's forget, not really my decision. Yeah, but. Like, mom, forget <clears throat> third grade. We're going straight <laughs> <School>? to Broadway. <laughs> Lunch, <laughs> plebeians. Um, but so let me just say, I love the theater. Started in theater. Yeah. Um, ended up doing a bunch of musical theater because um, I was a dancer as well. I had to decide, like, do I stay playing soccer or do I do dance? And acting was always going to be the other thing. So it ended up being dance and acting. Mm -hmm. So musical theater just kind of came naturally. Um, but then I got kind of over it not over 
musicals watching them or enjoying them but like being in them Mm -hmm. um and so i did that up until college and then in college i went to george mason university because i could do theater in downtown in dc really respected great theater but it was still technically in state and i wasn't gonna have to like have my parents sell their house to go to school or whatever (laughs) um and i did a lot of straight plays and i loved them i did um the shape of things by neil abute um could angels be blessed uh so many great plays i did measure for measure it was my first big Shakespeare thing. Mm-hmm. Loved every minute of it. Especially you, did it you did it in D.C.? Yeah. Was it Washington Shakespeare Company? Where it wasn't. It was a theater of the First Amendment, um, okay. I believe. Um, a lot of my professors at George Mason are professional actors as well. Sure. So that was so great to have them as teachers, mentors, uh, and just kind of like get great credits because by the time I came up to New York, which got me into film, it was mm-hmm. New York that got me into film. Ironically, I thought it was going to be L.A., um, but I got a scholarship to go to NYU for the summer and I chose to go to, instead of a stellar Adler program or, uh, any of the other schools to do Stone Street Studios, which is a film and television workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Rachel Brosnahan and Miles Teller, they were around my year. Um, they went in the same program and it was like a very intense film intensive. We had did three camera <laughs> comedies. We did, we even did soaps cause that back in that, it was about, eight, nine years ago, they did like, they had soaps, more Mm. of them in the city in New York. Sure. Um, But there was something about film acting that kind of filled a piece of a puzzle in my head that I always felt like in theater, I was acting to the back of the room. And um, even as a kid, I just felt like sometimes it was overdoing it. And I didn't really like love that. But then for film, it was just like right here. And everything I was feeling, everything I was doing is so portrayed on camera. You don't have to really overdo anything Mm -hmm. um and it just feels to me so much more to my acting style more natural and more um i don't know cool but i think theater kids are the coolest so i don't know but yeah there's some cool people here's the thing a lot of theater kids are doing film now too yeah started so they're all cool they're all cool cool. aren't we all cool you know so uh funny you mentioned your like your theater life and your your college life uh Mm -hmm. one of my theater professors um my in my undergrad days uh, and always encouraged to go make the work you wanted to see and, mm-hmm. and, and be in. Yes. Um, and so I like the trend I see in your work uh, where you're being a writer and producer on products you also star in or, or, or featured in, in some mm-hmm. way, we'll say, uh, starting with writing the D with Dr. Seeds. <laughs> yes, not a porn. Um, which, which, is, yeah. <laughs> which, which I saw coincidentally also features an old Queens of mine, Jamie Simon is in Oh, snap. Well. Dude, she's amazing in it. She's been around since God was a child as an actress, even oh. though we won't say her age. No. Uh, she's from the Midwest like myself and a phenomenal, talented performer. Wonderful. And, and we love her very much. Uh, she was Sideways North- Jane in that, which was a homeless lady who always lays sideways. That yes. was her. And she's the Greek chorus in the show. She's fantastic. Yeah, she's great. And so yeah. um, so aside from you should all see it um, <laughs> you, and, and the fantastic performances of Jamie uh, and Sarah, uh, <laughs> what, was, what was what was your first foray into writing? Was that your first foray in writing and producing? Was that it? Or did you have some? No. Um, so that was my first big one. Oh, so okay. um, I grew up writing a whole bunch of weird parodies. You know, when you're a theater kid. Sure. Um, you write. I think with a lot, there were two kids and my mom would babysit after school along with us. And we were all very creative. And we wrote Titanic or that ship that sank. And it was like an airplane version of like, you know, the comedies it's my favorite movie airplane I airplane about yeah, it. I, i've been trying to show it just so you know you you we talked about you know my alfresco movie yes i've been wanting to show Al, oh airplane my god 
forever outside and please i think do. i would get so much hate mail now because the world has changed so much no you wouldn't please do it just because like the whole jive section there was, oh Mrs. come Cleaver on and man and there's there's so many like it's june cleaver well, speaking jive that is so iconic but all, but, but, and that's, that's just one example cut me some slack jack yeah well i know well we could quit the whole i know thing, stop probably. we could so just no, copyright probably, sorry probably, probably already digress before. yeah but uh so i was first off love the airplane and uh, so you're, you're a lover of comedy writing though. oh my gosh it's my favorite like I've always had like an affinity for comedy because um, I feel like um, I love drama because I think if you can do comedy and people say this a lot, if you can do comedy, you can do drama mm-hmm. because if you're able to know where to hit things, what's funny, what's not, comedy is always based in, in truth and reality, um, which then translates well to any other um, form of uh, a style of acting. So drama is great too, but I just love comedy and I write, I feel like I write comedy, not lately, I'm writing a lot of a serious kind of depressing things that are, but it's not because I feel that way. It's because sci-fi I, and thriller sci-fi stuff. thriller realness. Um, but yes, um, I think you brought up that I was writing things that I felt like there was a void, especially with Dr. Seeds. Um, when I first wrote it, it was way back. It was a different version of it in 2015. You can still, I think, see it on YouTube. Um, where there were short vignettes of a woman um, being just bonkers and kind of more of an antagonist than she becomes in the actual show that we created, uh, where she just kind of assaults people on the train. Not really, but verbally. Like, I can see your da-da-da. I'm going to diagnose you. And they're like, please leave me alone. And I just felt like there was a need of something uh, that takes place on the MTA. It's bonkers. It's absolutely insane. Um, everyone's play going on in every car. Yes, it is. And, like, there was nothing ever... In my recollection, there was nothing ever that was like about the New York City subway taking place only on the subway. So I created this character who like had a, who's like a non-licensed psychiatrist who rides the D train in New York City and tries to fix people. (laughs) And, you know, super, super normal concept, super casual. Um, And we made this short one. um, And I've always been involved in SAG-AFTRA. I've always, I've been in SAG-AFTRA as an actor since like 2012. So I made sure that this, these shorts, these little things were SAG-AFTRA. And we shot it um, guerrilla style with permits um, on the, on the D train and it kind of went viral. We had like 75,000 views and like people really started to pay attention. And that led me to the form that you saw or, or people can watch now where I got a lot more funding to create a more narrative storyline for Dr. Seeds. Um, gotcha. but I credit my producing partner, Lindsay Elizabeth Hand for pushing me into, um, creating a more narrative version of that, not just stream of consciousness and crazy stuff. Well, um, to so yeah. continue the theme, I mean, I think it's yeah. fantastic. And I say like, so, so self-generated work is where I'm coming from here is that it's, you're, if you're waiting for someone else to do it, Mm-mm. you're going to be waiting Mm-mm. forever. Uh, so kudos Mm-mm. to you and my hat off to you if I had one. Um, I'll take mine you, Use yours, please. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, thank about, you, Seth. Thank um, you. You know, it's continue the theme, so to speak. Uh, tell us about the dystopian sci-fi thriller um, Bathed in the Night. Where did yeah. that idea come from? Since So... Um, that was really, that's another one that just kind of happened. I feel like it seems like my projects that like, thank you, Horn. I love New York. Um, welcome to New York, folks. Welcome to New York, everybody. Um, I feel like any project that I make that actually gets lots of funding and I'm actually able to like really create it and flush it out, it typically is something that I wrote very quickly and just came from a very genuine uh, place. It's very interesting. It feels like Bathe in the Night was written from an exercise from my Zoom writers group. Um, I have a Zoom writers accountability room. Um, I've been in a writers room for other pilots, just about a, like a television pilot or whatever, but this was like an accountability one. Mm-hmm. It's actually where I went, met Michael, and it's actually where I met a lot more people that, that love to write. And one of our assignments was um, 
in the vein of Dan Harmon, um, he says that a full character arc happens in the following. Um, there's someone who wants something. Um, they go for that something. Um, they get it, but they have a, there's like a cost and they're changed. And that's like a full character arc. Mm -hmm. So my exercise was, can I write something as short as possible? Because I'm not used to writing just short form. I'm used to writing like long form pilots, full series, or I also make pitch decks as a side business um, because I, I pitch a lot of shows when I go to LA and stuff like that um, to really flush it out. But this was like an idea for me to just see how short can I make this and can I get there and back? Um, and I did it in around eight pages. Um, and the story is about a girl kind of waiting out the apocalypse in a penthouse she's squatting in with a cat. And um, it's called Bathed in the Night because the first shot is her trying to kind of regain a sense of normalcy by sitting in like a bathtub that's barely filled with water because there's no real plumbing anymore. She's sure. brought the buckets up and she's just staring in candlelight in a bathtub trying to kind of regain that normalcy. And everything is so dark because she's blacked out on the windows. Um, and you get more information as the movie goes on to why she's acting the way she is or why she's been that way. Um, but to not give anything away, basically the catalyst is only that she's in this space and then one night on the roof she sees a light in the distance. It's the first time she's seen another light, another candle in the night um, in over 200, 300 days. So she goes searching for what that is and then sh things get crazy. Sorry, I almost swore because I'm a pirate. Things went crazy. <laughs> well... What, yeah. Where are you on the production schedule for this right now? We've already shot um, about 80%. We only have one more day left, honestly. And when is that happening? Uh, that's happening right in the beginning of October. Awesome. So we're almost done, and okay. then we'll enter true uh, post-production. Very cool. Yeah. How exciting. It's How exciting. pretty cool. How many locations are you using? So <clears throat> I tried to write it again, too. So once Eight pages. You're like, please, Lord. Please, God, just help one, me. And, just and one or I'm two. the one who wrote it, so I did this to me. Like, <laughs> yes. I was like, why did I... Like, you can already see some screenshots. It's on IMDb we already. You had to get the zoo? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is, what is wrong with me? Why did I write a script where my co-star is an animal? Like, come on, girl. Yeah. Um, that was on me. Um, but I, I basically wrote it so it could be shot pretty easily with two locations that are interiors and then exteriors of her journey from the first place mm -hmm. to the second. And the world building really happens during yeah. the journey because you can see the world and what it's turned into yeah. and there's different posters that allude to things happening. Yeah. Being someone who runs a film festival and has seen Props to you on that, yeah. Thank you, a, a, a bajillion short films. I, do you feel, I'm curious, I'm actually asking is like, do you feel as a as a producer and writer that you since because of the pandemic you're you have been forced in the past two years and now that things are opening up you still find yourself writing in a kind of utilitarian way because mm. uh, I find a lot of um, a lot of shorts that I've seen not so much features but uh, but features to an extent smaller cast we'll say in general but because uh, yeah it's cheaper we know and films cost three million to, you know. You're right about that, Jack. Uh, yeah. But um, do you find yourself writing for uh, smaller, you know, um, exteriors and interiors mm -hmm. and people, um, and trying to get your, you know, in the exercise world in your writers' rooms? Do you yeah. notice that happening more? I'm just curious because I'm seeing a lot of films that are like <laughs> me, myself, and a mirror in my bathroom. Kind yeah, you're of, like, it's of, literally kind of, your audition of, space. You're like, it's kind, me. It kind of is. Yeah, everyone's yeah. like, I'm used to self-taping. It's a movie. Let's put <laughs> yeah, it up. You know? It's self-tape, which is a mental breakdown. I was like, just use my B-roll from all my <laughs> exactly. auditions. Um, no, you know what? Okay, it, there's a mix of that. I'm also like a type A huge um, dreamer that's like super, like I, I wrote 
something else too that's like um a trippy sci-fi harry potter but all women um and kung fu um that's gonna be like two million dollars an episode so i also did flesh that out more while uh, making things like you're saying so i think there was a conscious uh respect for that um but i think i did it more towards a business sense in that when i take this uh proof of concept this short that is a story on its own and I try to sell that, or I try to get the idea fully funded to make a feature version. I already have that laid out as mm-hmm. well. Um, so to be honest, like yes, I think a lot of people are doing it, and I think yes, um, I think it's smart to do that, and I think I have done that in some of my some of my projects. But I also want to always think that like yes, I made this smaller piece, but how much more could I make with this world that I've created? How much more could I do with that? And I think that's still very possible. It's just, I think it's good to have like a proof of concept or something that's smaller to be shot so you can, but I do, I do think that like, because of today's, um, infectious diseases, world, uh, everything else that, yeah. And everything costs money. I think it is a, a good practice to maybe make it smaller, but not at the cost of the narrative. Which yeah. is why this is more of a slice of life of a larger picture than it is a full story. Yeah, that's really good. Thank you for your honest answer. And I also find people too, it's like getting the work out there so you can sometimes people work backwards. Like they have your your $3 million kung fu film, mm-hmm. uh, Harry Potter women uh, perspective film. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but then you find a way to make, and that's written, but you know you that's a ways off. And so they go mm-hmm. ahead and take the essentials and make the 15 page yes. $20,000 film. Yes. Uh, to show what's possible and perhaps, exactly. perhaps it's a scene, perhaps it's a, a taste of, you know, an, an, uh, a riff, uh, an mm-hmm. epilogue, if you will, or a proscript mm-hmm. of the show. So I think people are getting smarter in doing those kind of things and trying to build up as we all build up capacity to doing more work. Facts. Uh, I see a lot of that happening too. You? That's so true. And yeah. I think that's really smart and astute. And I think that the more we can do, because I'm predominantly, you know, my entire life, predominantly I was acting mostly um, writing and producing kind of came out of a need of like I keep getting the girlfriend role and she has zero backstory love that and I was like I, I just want to make something where I'm where my humor's coming out it's weird and there weren't a lot of I didn't see a lot of it um, so I think uh, creating your own work is such a great vessel to not only um, then I fell in love with producing and writing so I was like oh well then this is now part of my you know I'm an actor writer producer now not just an actor yeah. which is nothing wrong with that but this is like now I feel like I am those three things yeah. um, because it gives me more uh, creative control it gives me more way to express myself but it also helps me in my career I'll make something where like Dr. Seeds um, where I am funny and weird and I wasn't getting those roles and now I get auditions that are all like so much comedy um and so many big things and it really has helped my career because you've proved you can do it and you right. have that now and, and so, i don't expect them to just know that i can do it i think i need to show them that i can I, do it i think that's a really well i go back to acting 101 marketing and saying what are you selling right uh and i think when it comes to film i'm just gonna go out and say it a lot of casting directors don't ha- and directors don't have imagination Mm-mm. they actually have to see you Mm-hmm. In a version, if of not, mm-hmm. I go back to the Elijah Wood audition for Lord of the Rings, where he sent himself in hanging off of a tree. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, something like that. Like a, yeah. I'm like, you know, like in a camcorder, it's like, hello. And you're just yeah. like, oh, it's Frodo. And, yeah. uh, Frodo. You, you know, he's auditioning for Peter Jackson and hanging out of a tree or something. Yes. I mean, I'm making it up. I don't know exactly what he did, but something he along those something lines. He did something like that. I something remember like that, this. Which, which, which is, you know, when you hear people doing creative voice auditioning, and that's a whole separate side oh, I love that, chapter, though. which is yeah. a fun podcast in itself. It but, really is. But you do, you, you have to really have 
that in your reel and your or, or toolbox, whatever, mm-hmm. however which way you're able to get that point across, or you're, you've done the role somewhere else that you can get it out there, or else you're never gonna get be the. If you are the funny lady to be, yeah. and you want to be the funny lady in the next yeah. show, you got to show them that. Um, which brings me speaking of roles, mm-hmm. um, because you have that you know that theme of duality of writer, producer, mm-hmm. actor. Um, how do you balance it um, when you're there's pre production there's, there's pre production and there's set and uh, and in production. So um, what do you do to balance it? Because I have done those roles and. Um, I found it very challenging uh, and to give 100% of yourself to one or the other. Yeah. Like it's a balance for me. It's never 100%. Right. It's what I can give now. And, and de- right. Because people are demanding things of you when you're a producer. When you're an actor, the great thing is you're only directing your role. When yeah. you're a producer, you're directing the entire experience. Facts. That's so true. Um, I try to, and I learned this like kind of, so I, I think it's, it's not to say anyone has an ego about anything, but I think it's really smart to think of like, why am I, killing myself, like people that are directing while being the lead actor, while producing it, while have written it. It's like so much of that takes away from, if you're if you're the lead actor, I don't want to take away from my performance at all. I want to be, when I get to set, that's what I'm doing. I'm that actor. I'm mm-hmm. that character. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else I need to be doing. I need to right. fully be. So I always try to make sure that like pre-pro, you know, I'm very hands-on and I make sure that everything is going correctly but um especially for instance dr seeds or even bathed in the night um you know Lindsay was my producing partner for dr seeds and she's wonderful she owns um edge in motion productions i hired her so i could do all the crazy pre-pro we built a train set we did all these insane things we did readings da, da, da. but as soon as i got to set all that stuff I was doing, helping decoupage the set the night before, freaking out about this. You know, her, her phrase is, the show must go wrong. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Yeah. But we, we pivot. And yes. um, to quote friends or whatever, uh, to pivot. Uh, I, when I got on set, I was like, I am the actor. Because I just don't want to have that distraction. I want to do the best version of possible that I can be. And same thing with Bathed in the Night. I was very involved. We all, both of us, me and Mike, were very involved in like pre-pro, whatever. But we hired someone to run the production on those days because ain't nobody got time for that. Right. And before we go too far, uh, tell us, what's the logline of Bathed in the Night? We haven't got into that, actually, what it's about. Okay. I have it. Okay. I have it written down on my phone. <laughs> I had it ready. I'm Come sorry. on. This is can an I, elevator pitch. You can't I, I, run I, I, to your phone uh, somewhere. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, a, woman, um, a woman waiting out the apocalypse in a um, penthouse with her beloved cat sees a light in the distance leading her to discover the terrors of the world below. That's a producer right there, folks. I just wanted to put her on the spot for a second. You have to. You got to sell it. You got to yeah, be there when someone asks. And uh, and so, of course, we don't want to go into the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I just want to make sure people got it like right there. Yes. Uh, and so now you can go out and check it out when it comes out, maybe in the... I don't know, wintertime? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be done after. definitely before the end of the year. And then we're going to start, um, I'll start uh, sending it to festivals. But I'm also going to um, go out in October. I'm going out to L.A. to pitch it uh, as a bigger thing and for distribution. Because I know I know some good distribution channels that I've used before. And um, I think it'll I, it'll get distribution. I'm just going to say that right now. It's going to get distribution. I just don't know where it's going to land. Again, confidence as well is what you need, folks. Manifest, baby. That's manifest. right. Manifest. But not attraction. the Manifest TV show. Don't watch that. Yeah, don't watch that. I've auditioned for that. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. It's like, I'm sure it's fine. Um, but I don't know. You tell me. I haven't watched it really. You watched really, it? No, Not I've auditioned so for much. it. Okay. Anyway. I, I, I have no ill will, by the way. If I had ill will to every show that didn't 
cast me like the co- they called me like six times that loves me thank you but right. but cast me succession okay. anyway so there you, you know put it out there again manifest yeah dude manifest. succession i'm gonna be on your show what's up uh, well so well speaking of the cars agree i know cars are all agree exactly <laughs> like, Jump beyond that. New, York, new york's popping today yell at kendall sarah yell we'll at say one thing about you know someone should make uh, a documentary on uh, too many cars uh, for the people in Manhattan. Yeah. That should be a documentary or yeah. a narrative of some kind. Yeah, especially um, uh, filming an apocalyptic movie where everyone should be dead or isn't there. And then you'll be like, and music's playing and you're like, oh, you know what? All right. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they live. What? Like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. They live. Well, turning yeah. to the bigger picture stuff and making yeah, big please. picture shows. Yeah. Um, big I, you mentioned it and uh, I'll mention again, you are a SAG after a member mm-hmm. and you're also on the board of the New York chapter, right? Mm-hmm. What made you take on that big role considering you're doing all these other uh, things? Oh, mental. I'm just insane. No, it's because, um, let's see, it was around 20, I think 15, 16. I have a mentor. His name's Jim Kerr. He's a legendary rock and roll DJ. He's um, on Q103 point whatever. Q1043, right? Yeah, that's yeah. Jim Kerr. He's Great. like my BFF. He's my older dope mentor. He kind of was like, when I first moved to the city, um, I was still as I am now, very hungry and uh, <laughs> wanting to do a million things. And I hadn't gotten my SAG card yet, which was a bummer. And um, I was bartending. And he was like, Sarah, you really should join the union. Because and AFTRA and SAG were about to merge. Right. An American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, which is what AFTRA is, yep. he was a member of. And he was like, you really should get in the thing because I'm on the board and they're going to merge. And I was eligible for both unions I just hadn't taken this next step to join so uh-huh. I did he kind of pushed me in that uh, but all I needed was just do it sir and I was like done um so I took it as a sign that like, what is my tax return this year if it's the amount that I need I'm going to take that as a sign it's time and I needed 1600 at the time to join AFTRA because then they merged and I right. looked at it and put 3200 which you have to do now um but there's payment plans and I can tell everyone out there that really wants to join it's a good thing yeah it's a Dope thing. If you're it's so important. If you want to be a professional actor, to have a pension, to have your protections, don't feel like it's the Wild West. I've had some really weird experiences on set, you know, where I felt like no one was advocating for me. But once I was union, I had people to protect me and people to call. So I highly recommend when you're ready. It's subjective each person to join. Um, but anyway, he kind of pushed me in that. And then I got my tax return. It was 1600 exactly and like two cents. And I was like, well, <laughs> and she's in. So I joined and then I was. he was like, you know what else you should do is get involved in some of the committees. And the one that I'm now the vice uh, chair of or vice president of nationally, the National Next Gen Performers. I'm also the co-chair of the New York chapter of the Next Gen Performers of SAG-AFTRA, which is people in their 20s and 30s who are union members. And before Covidity came along, you know, that old chestnut, uh, we had a lot of fun mixers and in-person things and collaborative sessions, whatever. So now we're doing a lot of like online PTEOE, which is the President's Task Force of Education and uh, Outreach and Education. I think that's what it is. Uh, and it's wonderful. But um, yes, yeah, so once I got involved in that, I was like, whoa, I'm into this. I'm into being now involved in the nuts and bolts of my own industry because yeah. we know us who work on sets, yeah. what needs to be better, what needs to be, uh, what, what is working, what needs to be um, you know, changed, everything like that. And I had those feelings and I was like, I think I'd be squandering my, my ability because I was lucky enough to get some great bookings and be on set a lot to say, you know, some of this I don't like and what can I do to change it? So yeah. that's when I ran. So um, I ran for the New York board I ran as a delegate first to go to the convention, which I won. I've won now, I think, four or five sessions of it. Um, But I've been elected on the New York board, I think, three times in a row. And I was on the national board also last year. 
Congratulations. It was so incredible. It is so incredible to sit in the room where it happens and be like, I don't, you know, for especially for like, let's for like a side thing, let's talk about hair and makeup. You know, people of color will come to set and there's a makeup artist or hair person that does not know how to do their hair or makeup. And that's insane because that's, that's your job and everyone needs to have their hair and makeup done properly. So we passed a thing. We really pushed it in the boardroom. So our sets, there's always someone on set that is educated in that realm, um, protecting women, protecting anything me too, or, um, passing the influencer agreement. So if I do an ad on YouTube, it actually is covered by the union, things like that. Providing equitable wages for equitable work done. Yes. It's very important. And working conditions. Yes. Uh, As, you know, not to go into the whole why do I union kind of thing, what unions do, but um, if you want more information, uh, we'll put the SAG after Please. website up there on our, yes. our description this episode so people can learn more. But um, I wanted to just touch on that with your career because uh, I think it's great. You also being a, a young, young person, even though you do have birthdays, um, and uh, have as we birthdays. all do, yeah. hopefully keep going. Yeah. And um, and you know, you know, some good ideas here, and like hopefully more. Uh, people can get involved and more educated about what their rights are and also what kind of environments they can actually, um, I won't say demand, but, you know, mm-hmm. expect from a set. Because a lot of people don't know. No, uh, and, they don't. And, and they're, they're, it's, it's very much from, as a producer, you know, take it or leave it kind of attitude some of them have because like we've yeah. all worked for a couple of people saying you're lucky to have we we're lucky we chose you kind of thing and yeah you know and it's not always no. the best conditions and so um there's a lot of protection there that you can find through yes after. even if you're not a union member there is a hotline you can call for safer set and i could literally call them anytime and say this is happening this wasn't discussed you know especially as uh, women, we get put in sometimes situations where we didn't sign the, up for this and there's an added scene or like some weirdness going on. And I've had that happen to me in a very big movie. And I've had to call and have someone kind of handle it for me. Um, and I'm so glad I had an advocate. And I'm so glad I advocated because I felt empowered. If I didn't feel empowered, I wouldn't have felt um, like I had the upper hand or anyway. And I want to tell every actor that's listening um, or anyone on set crew otherwise who's not at the maybe not the top producer or whatever that feels like something is wrong. You do have outlets to talk to and people to talk to. Yeah. You know? and, uh, it's, and it starts with the contract, actually. It and does. So I just want to touch on that very, very briefly because sure. I know you're not on the contract uh, or, or, or agreements uh, I'm not. committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this happened right before COVID. Um, and there was always... The SAG, you know, micro budget agreement, whatever. Yeah. Which, which, well, sorry, there wasn't one, and there now, was not and one. now there is one. Yes. That just came out, but not a lot of people know about it. Which be, is because, crazy. It's amazing. Because it, because it used to be, if you the like the it was called SAG low budget film, or it was something new crazy. media. New media agreement was like under was it something like if my memory serves because mm-hmm. I'm old, like two hundred fifty thousand <laughs> or two hundred thousand dollars. Some of them are was are was, that. was yeah. like that was like the basement, or like mm-hmm. everyone's like. Seriously, dude, like we're doing yeah. a show for $5,000. And so the SAG after after a um, micro-budget agreement is for budgets 20000 and Correct. below. Correct? Correct. And it can be each episode is 20000 and below. If it's episodic. It doesn't, have to be in the, yeah. it doesn't have to be the entire project. Now, if it's a short film, 20000 or below. Correct. Um, yeah, it's wonderful. Um, the SPA agreement is is great, too. It's called the Short Project Agreement. I believe that's 60000 or 50000 or less. Um, but neither of those are at any cost to you. It's just able to use your actors, and every rate is negotiable with the actor. So I've actually worked under both those contracts repeatedly since they came out. 
Um, I've actually produced under the micro budget for Bathe in the Night um, because, you know, we had just enough to not take us over that thing. Um, and it was really wonderful because I felt like not only am I using my talent, I'm union, and so is my uh, there was another actor. The cat wasn't union, but we're working on that. <laughs> All right. Um, Paolo will be union. I promise. He's so cute. Um, but yeah, it's it's a wonderful thing. It's called the micro budget agreement. Highly recommend. It's only an online form. Very fast. Um, and it just dictates who the act. It just says that between it's between the production company or producers, the signatory. So you have to be a SAG signatory first. You do an, a, for, a form first. And then you become a SAG signatory producer. And then you're able to do the micro budget. It's literally like a quick form, you guys. It takes you like 10 minutes maybe. Um, I've done it for like six people, literally. Uh, I'll just be like, yeah, I'll be your producer. I fill it out for them. Get the information. It's in. Um, and it's good for a whole year. Um, and it just makes sure your actors are protected and you can use union talent as well as non-union, but you have to have some union talent in there to use that. Yeah. Thank you for touching on that. Because yeah. Hopefully that wasn't that too is, uh, intense. No, it's or, not. It's, it's perfectly amount of time, uh, time and effort putting into and outlining what it is. Cause yeah. you hit all the great, greatest hits on that. It's like, it's not like you're stuck in paperwork and it's like, Never. you know, cause uh, let's just face it. Some creatives aren't the greatest at organizational paperwork. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you yeah. know, I was one of them many moons ago, and I've shaped yeah. up since then. Good for uh, you. Well, it's about time. <laughs> so uh, so thank you for, for touching on that. And, um, and again, because we're in such a wonderful uptown filmmaking community it's up here best. that has you know, literally over 150 filmmakers live up here because you know why? We've done the festival and that's how many films we've had in the festival. Heck yeah. So over the uh, features, shorts, documentary, student films, you name it. So these are tools that hopefully people can use and put in their toolbox mm -hmm. and, you know, they want to have a little more guidance and uh, uh, and it made me think of it too. It's like perhaps the next film festival we could do a seminar on like, the sags, I would like the, like, love like, to. like 20s and 30s yes. mixer kind of stuff yeah. and learn and and make them learn a little something without them, without them knowing a little little spoonful of little, sugar without yeah, them helps knowing. the medicine go down exactly yeah. saying oh this is really nice and i'm learning something no <laughs> oh gosh not at all i would never exactly. um no i also want to say too is there's like this big fear that um there's also like i always say to lead with love and not fear also no question is stupid um i was recently on the official sag after podcast and they did a lot of clips of my it's on my instagram i'm at sarah seeds uh i got it before anyone else got it i was like heck yeah um i don't know if there is another sarah seeds to be honest so whatever but uh i'll like give myself like that. highlander there can be only one there can only be only one um and they actually clipped a lot of my things and one of the things they clipped from the official podcast was me saying there's no stupid question please don't be afraid to call the union even if you've already made the movie and you're like uh oh i think i just really screwed up right. give them a call and they actually will help you figure it out they will actually walk you through things they will actually talk to you i know because of covid the staff is a little shorter but if you have the patience you should give them a call um there are numbers you just google say after and you can google the new york local if you want if you're a filmmaker up here with us or any of your locals or any of the contracts department they will help you i've done it many times and i've done you know so many different contracts and producing and i still call right now i'm helping produce um a greek diner pilot an israeli greek diner that's extremely dysfunctional and it's like a family drama but a chosen family drama and it's a film too yeah it's everything <laughs> yeah it's all of that and more um yes it is a film uh yes but it's a diner it's going to be a pilot um i'm really excited and i'm using the new media contract for that and i have some questions because now there's so many more extra ones since i use the new media for dr seeds i did a like a chimera a 
contract of a television and new media. I want to, I have so many questions still and I'm calling them and my, my rep guys probably like, hi, Sarah, good to hear yes. from you again, <laughs> but I'm doing number. it. You know what I mean? And yeah. I've done it a million times. So there's no dumb yeah. questions like do it. Yeah. Great, great way to end. Well, Sarah, thank you, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. It's but been before awesome. we say goodbye, where can we send people other than your Instagram to find you, more about you and your work? Sure. Um, my website is sarahseeds.com. Um, I'm on IMDb, Sarah Seeds, the only one. Uh, Instagram, Sarah Seeds. Um, and those are my mains. I'm on Twitter. Twitter's a, a messy place, but I'm on Twitter. It's Sarah C. It is such a. If you a want to go to battle, go to Twitter. Yeah, I if think, you want to just be sad, go to Twitter. It's I so funny, it. actually. I kind of say this like, we've had people on this podcast who go to Twitter, like, it's like an alter ego for people. Yeah. Like, it's pretty. And, and, and it's horrifying. I, and and you, you actually, it's like, they're different than. I was like, I spoke to them and they were here on the podcast, but that's a different person. That's a totally different <laughs> human being. <laughs> I know. For, and I'm not, there's not, I'm not judging better or worse. I'm just no. saying it's like, I don't think that's the same person we interviewed yeah well the good news is is i'm literally the same person everywhere that's so wonderful. i wear my heart on my sleeve i'm telling you right now this is me <laughs> sorry it's a strange place it twitter's a scary weird place I'm i just sure like certain things and share in twitter there's gotta be a, a twitter movie coming out of some kind i'm sure or whatever yeah ptsd the twitter movie yeah I, I, I don't know but yes so sarah seeds across the board just s-a-r-a-h that's with an h don't take my h seeds like a flower S E D S. That's there it. There you go, folks. Right, straight from Sarah Seeds. The Seeds uh, is listeners. Mouth. You can find those links in the description of this episode. Uh, thank you again, Sarah, for being a thank guest. Thank you. I appreciate it. You betcha. So this is Inwood Artworks on Air's On Air Artist Spotlight podcast. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home here in Northern Manhattan. If you have a moment, please show us some love right now by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcast. It really does help. Uh, many thanks to Church of the Good Shepherd here for hosting us here in Inwood, NYC, and for to HeightSites.com for uptown promotional support. Uh, you can support On Air and all that we do by making a tax-free donation at InwoodArtworks.nyc backslash donate. Or you can do it via Venmo. Follow us, if you can, on Instagram and Twitter yes. and Facebook at Inwood Artworks to keep up with all that we do, including the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Al Fresco, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. And Inwood Artworks On Air is proud to be supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in the partnership with City Council. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air. <laughs>